I am Emily Lyon. I am the Artistic Director of Hedge Big Ensemble. I am Shannon Perrinson, and I am the Producing Director of Hedge Pig Ensemble Theater. And the Hedge Pig Ensemble program that we are going to discuss is Expand the Canon. And am I right in understanding that Expand the Canon is also going to expand our minds? Because apparently <laughs> there are other writers in the early modern period than William Shakespeare. Can that possibly be true? Mine will be blown and expanded with the <laughs> list that we have. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 789, Expanding the Canon. Emily Lyon and Shannon Corinthian are the artistic director and producing director of the Hedge Pig Ensemble in Brooklyn, New York, and two of the hosts of This is a Classic, the Expand the Canon Theater podcast. We met at the Shakespeare Theater Association conference two weekends ago where... Because of the advent of Zoom, I didn't need to spend the weekend chasing people down in bars and hotel ballrooms and standing too close to them with a microphone in their faces. So Emily and Shannon and I had a lovely civilized conversation yesterday where Emily began by telling me about Hedge Pig Ensemble and how the ever-growing Expand the Canon, curated lists of classic plays by women and underrepresented genders, came to be. Hedgepig has long been focused on doing a feminist take uh, on Shakespeare's work and classics, uh, reinterpreting classics to create a sense of gender parity and legacy uh, through through the classics. Um, and we kept, even though we were hiring female and non-binary crews and having women directors and doing our best to twist those stories into pretzels to make sure women felt like humans. Um, we noticed at some point we were just still producing dead white men. Um, and while we love some of those dead white men, um, we wondered, well, weren't there women? Someone had heard of Afra Ben once in the ether. Uh, we were sure that she wasn't the only person writing. And in fact, we knew in our guts that women had always been writing. And just where was it? Where were the good ones? Um, so having realized that no one else had really done um, sort of a parallel to the Kilroy's list, which if you haven't checked out the Kilroy's list and you do new plays, please go there. Um, we don't, we do old ones. Uh, but we wanted to make that sort of sister list. Um, and here, and so we did. And so that was Hedge Pig, but then this specific program and, and now podcast also expand the canon. How did that start, Shannon? That started, um, well, from my perspective, because that's how I actually was introduced to Hedge Pig, that started at the beginning, at the end of 2019 and at the beginning of 2020, when um, Emily and Mary, the outgoing artistic director, um, were talking about exactly that, you know, twisting these plays into pretzels for women. And they were like, there has to be some plays out there. And so they decided to just, you know, start reading these plays and to start looking for, not even reading, start looking for these plays, doing the research to find these plays. Um, and then they we kind of created a 
unofficial reading committee that is now very official, but it was an unofficial reading committee made up of our theater friends and people who we knew would enjoy this work to just read these plays with us. And we made a team of four curators that included myself, Emily Lyon, Sky Pagan, and Mary Candler um, that just went through all of the responses from these plays. And then out of that, we narrowed it down to nine plays in 2020. And we were like, wait, this is really great. Let's do it again every year. <laughs> I do want to add that we we do read all of those plays. We don't just read the responses. Um, we, God, Shannon, how many plays do you think you read last year? Last year, I think I read, I read a lot. I just read a lot. I think it's maybe about 50. I think yeah. nearly about 50. I remember 2020 though, I was telling my parents because I was um, back in Montreal during the first lockdown and that's when I read most of the plays. I remember I was reading at one point for like two or three months, I was reading five plays a week because we were both curators and reading committee members. Yeah. It was five plays a week. These are all plays by women that are 400 years old? Not all of them are 400 years old. Um, we had a big discussion about how to define classics, um, but some of them are 400 years old. We have a, a giant database of 2,000 plus plays by women, ranging from the first century to... 2000 pretty much um but we wanted it to be um public domain right which was like 1930 whatever yeah. disney it was like 1920 yeah <laughs> truly <laughs> but that didn't give us the sense of the breadth of writers that we wanted to have um we were really dedicated to having it be an intersectional list we didn't want to just go from dead white men to dead white women um so we included our latest play on that list was Alice Childress's Wedding Band, which mm. is fabulous. Yeah. Well, I think it's astonishing that the ease with which, or the, the ease with which it sounds like you were able to find all these plays um, <laughs> means that they're out there and we don't know them and, and nor are they being produced. And that seems like a really horrible oversight. Thank you for that. Um, it's definitely a lot of work. I think the first year it was a there was a form that went out that we sent out to friends that was like, if you know about a play of by a playwright that's a woman or non-binary playwright, you know, send us either just their name or a play that they wrote. And I think from there that stemmed a lot of research. But I remember <laughs> the end of 2020, that list, there was a lot of just like there's so much more out there that we don't know. And like people were throwing names at us and we're like going down these rabbit holes of, oh my God, I found this one. Well, actually, Emily, I think you went down the biggest rabbit hole of all. And I will let you, I will let you. Oh, I did. I did. Although I will also (laughs) clarify while we did put out a like, hey, send us names. um, That incurred a lot of research because we realized people don't know these names, which really reaffirmed for us um, yeah, we should do this because no <laughs> one knows who these people are. I think maybe five people said Afroben. Um, I think two people said Lillian Hellman. Um, mm-hmm. And then sometimes there was just like absolutely nonsense. Um, I think we got maybe one or two leads and we were like, okay, great. Yep. Nobody knows. We will have to just dig in. Um, and at some point during the, the reading committee, um, I was wondering like, where are all the Asian writers? Um, we were finding a lot of Black American writers, which was really exciting. We, of course, had a plurality of white ladies. Um, we were finding some Spanish Golden Age plays. We have two on our list, which are both fabulous Amazing. and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we know there are Asian playwrights, um, many of them. There are billions. Uh, so where are they? Um, and so I went on a rabbit hole looking for female playwrights, um, 
from, well, honestly, we started with Japan and I found a short play by a Japanese writer. Um, it's called Restless, Restless Night in Late Spring mm-hmm. and uh, by Fumiko Enchi. It is beautiful. And in reading it in 2020 was so trippy because it's these two women artists, painters, um, one of which is leaving the biz uh, to go become an activist, a political activist. And one is saying, you know, I can't believe you're going to keep doing art. Uh, There is so much political activism we need to be doing right now. That's the most important thing you could possibly do with your life. And the other woman is responding, well, I know art, art is my craft and it is important to people, but also that's how I survive. Um, And I think it's really privileged of you to say we should drop everything and just go be an activist. And we were like, you, I'm sorry, you wrote this when? Did you write this right now? Have you read this? This is amazing. Um, And it was written when? It was written in, let me check the year, but I'm pretty sure it's 1927. I want to say it's 1927 as well. That does Let's sound like the. Our knowledge. It, it sounds like a play that, that has to be done. It's what you were going to say. It has to be done and is happily in the public domain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I I think you know more about um, the public domain, but this is something that we discovered, which leads us to something that we're working on in 2022 is just translation and translation rights. Um, because this play was a play written in Japanese and the translation didn't happen until recently and so the rights fall to the translator especially when you're trying to produce it in English so while the original text is can be public domain the new translation is not and so to um you know for the translation you have to go to the translator and need more of them because there's only one translator that we have found who's wonderful who's done the translation for these plays that are on our 2020 list shout out to Ayaka Kano she's super chill if you want rights This is Kate Pitt, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We're still the remote Shakespeare Company, unfortunately, because the Omicron variant spike has caused us to postpone our performances in Michigan and Missouri this week, and we will unfortunately have to postpone our performances in Pennsylvania on February 11th and 12th. Most of these performances will be rescheduled for this fall of 2022, so that's encouraging. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed, at Reduced, for the latest information. And now back to my conversation with Emily Lyon and Shannon Corinthon, the artistic director and producing director of the Hedgepig Ensemble in Brooklyn and two of the hosts of This is a Classic, the Expand the Canon Theater Podcast. So if we think of uh, again using Shakespeare as the as the the bar I guess you know and we think of him as writing in genres of tragedies and histories and romances do do your list of plays fall into similar categories some of them do or do some of them expand the categories what are they what what are these <laughs> plays like uh, in terms of tone and entertainment value a lot of the plays range in different values. And this is something that we talk a lot about in our curator meetings about like, why this play now? Or why are we choosing this play? And um, a few of them, I would say, fall into that, you know, they're, I mean, all of them are timeless, actually. All of them are timeless. But a few of them fall into that Shakespeare category of like, they can be performed whenever and they could be applied to whatever situation. Um, But a lot of them, you know, come into our list and and, um, 
fall into our ETC list because they're um, they feel timeless in their relevancy, if that makes sense. Like they're relevant to us right now, but we can tell that their impact lasts. Um, for Wedding Band, it was a play written in the 60s, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that talks about the Spanish flu from 1918, and we were reading it during the pandemic, and we we're like, this is full circle. This feels, and it was talking about race and interracial um, love, and it was like, what? This is, oh my god! Like this is so. This is this is going full circle. We feel the relevancy, and and this is a story that needs to be told, um, and that clearly is spanned over 100 years since it's based in um, 1918. And then you have The Bow Defeated by Mary Picks, which is on our um, 2021 list, that feels very, it's very, it's a fun comedy. It's very lighthearted. It has wonderful characters and can be performed wherever, whenever. It's timeless in that um, that way. And, and when was that written? Is 1700. Wow. Thank you. And that's, you know, that's how, that's how, wide our lists are they they we're not limiting ourselves to um you know to just one time period but i will also put in a uh because i know you framed this question around the bard um and we've got wonderful shakespeare nerds listening hello um <laughs> We have specifically tried to tailor this list to people who have a season of Shakespeare mm-hmm. plays and are looking for, okay, normally we do a Mackers here, but is there some lady play we could do instead? Um, yes, we have in our on our site, expandthecanon.com, um, we have actively tried to put, if you're looking for this, if you're looking for a high-octane version mm-hmm. of Two Gentlemen of Verona, do Fatal Falsehood by Hannah Moore. If you're thinking about doing The Taming of the Shrew, um, hi, why, let's have a conversation. But if you're super into that, let me please, please introduce you to A Bold Stroke for a Husband by Hannah Cowley. Um, they are, they're adjacent, they're wonderful. Um, I will also put in a personal plug for Bold Stroke for a Husband. There's also Bold Stroke for a Wife, yeah, also on also our list. Great. Also funny, very different. Um, but you've got not two women um, in Taming the Shrew who are sisters and get to be sassy. Um, but you have five dynamic women who all actually have their own personalities and desires and opinions of marriage and they have agency <laughs> and they're funny. And I don't have to turn myself into a pretzel to be like, why would she do that though? Right. <laughs> um, because it's clear, yeah. which is fun. So yes, we have Shakespeare Jason plays. We have things that will expand your canon. We've got, um, you know, class comedies, romances, dramas. We have fewer dramas, although I think that that's partially because we're curating this in a pandemic. Um, right. So as soon as this lovely pandemic ends, we may be more interested in depressing stuff. Um, but right now we do we do have quite a blend. If you would love, if you have a curiosity, you're like, man, I don't know what to start with. And despite the fact that your website is very clear and has summaries and everything I would possibly need to produce this, um, I'm still wondering what the right play is for me. You can email me and I will happily get you a play. Um, my email is emily at hedgepigensemble.org. I love that you're um, the, the, our, our new classical play whisperer. 
Yeah. Ooh, yes. I will add, if you don't want to email, you know, sit in front of your computer and email Emily, you could also listen to our podcast. This is a classic, our Expand the Canon podcast, which has all of that information as well. The lovely summaries and everything that you could ever want about how to produce this and where to produce this now. Um, but our Expand the Canon podcast came out because we just wanted to talk about these plays even more. Um, it drops right before our um, annual festival, which this year will be in the fall. So look for it in the summer fall um for this year and last year came out in you know from I want to say July to September Emily every week an um, episode every Wednesday um and it's about nine episodes because we have nine plays um but might be longer um sometime in the future and you know we just talk we spend a good amount of time just talking about these plays, talking about why we chose it, about the summary, about why it's important, about the author's life, because some, I mean, these plays are wonderful, but some of the time the playwright's life is as incredible as these plays. So they're, they're just some really fabulous. I talk about Sor Juana in House of Desires, um, and that one, take a listen, because her life is pretty, pretty insane. As Emily likes to say, she's a badass. Will you ever try to expand the canon by creating new works? Well, actually, Emily? Yeah, so we have a program um, called the Legacy Commission where in reading ton, hundreds, literally hundreds of plays by women, um, you know, some are bad, some are amazing, and we put those on the list, and then some are like really good, but, um, you know, a lot of these women writers weren't getting the opportunity to workshop a play or see it every night and make changes. Um, they tried. Uh, so we're excited about some of them. Um, and we also want to uplift the legacy of women and non-binary writers now um, within our mission. So we created the Legacy Commission. Uh, last year, we hired Regina Robbins um, to adapt and reinterpret a play by Mercy Otis Warren. Um, and she created Warren Mercy, a new play that we're still um, workshopping and hoping to produce in 2023. Um, so we we love and appreciate all of the advocacy for playwrights, sort of current contemporary playwrights out in the world. Um, they have many avenues to get their things produced and we hope that they do. Um, and we're really dedicated to, to making sure that people know women have always been writing um, that there is a legacy for those writers who can no longer advocate for themselves. Um, and so we're hoping that this blend of the new and the old, uh, the should have been workshopped with the, we can really do that um, can make a really exciting pairing. And we would love to hear any suggestions you have. If you have plays by ladies that we have not heard of, or if you would love to reinterpret, adapt and play with that, we're here. Give us a call. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Comedy Podcast, except for one more thing I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. You can find out more information about Hedge Pig Ensemble Theater by going to hedgepigensemble.org, and you can find the invaluable This Is a Classic, the Expand the Canon Theater Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Then send us your canon expanders via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. Or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or visit my website, TheShakespeareans.com. Thanks, as always, to Thinks They Mean a Different Kind of Canon, Matthew Croak. 
Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Sam Nash. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to director Kate Pitt, who served as the dramaturg on the RSE's latest show, Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, and who introduced me to Emily and Shannon in the first place. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 789 ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Not only was it great to return to an in-person conference for the Shakespeare mm. Theatre Association just to see old friends, it was fantastic to meet new friends like you guys. I'm so excited by what you're doing, um, and uh, I will continue to expand the love, spread the love. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Austin. We appreciate it. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. 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 So much less.